discussion with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadid Hulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page at Free Podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number 3104410555. So before I begin with the summary of last week's book, which was Mindset by Carol Dweck, I want to announce the book for next week which is Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. This was uh, the book written in, I believe it came out in 1995, which was really the first full book, as far as I know, on this topic of emotional intelligence. And since then, there have been plenty of uh, articles, books, and different studies looking at this very important topic of emotional intelligence. So I thought we would read the classic, the first book um, that came out on that issue that introduces a lot of different aspects of it. So again, that's Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence. I'll post a picture of the book um, on my Facebook page and Twitter probably by tomorrow. But let's get to the book that we read for last week, which is Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol S. Dweck. So as the title suggests, the focus of the book is looking at mindset and specifically two different different types of mindsets we can have about ourselves and about the ways that human beings actually work in a sense. So let me get into these two mindsets and that'll explain a little bit more of what they mean. So the way Carol Dweck describes it or defines it, there's these two different mindsets we can have. One is having a fixed mindset and the other one is having a growth mindset. In the fixed mindset, we have the belief that our qualities are carved in stone. So who we are is who we are, period. So things like your intelligence, your personality, um, your athletic ability, different skills, traits, they are fixed and they're not something that can be developed. You're just inheriting some type of almost genetic uh, capability and that's all you are and all you can ever be. So you're either smart or you're not. You're either an athlete or you're not. You're either an artist or you're not. And um, this type of mindset comes with it, that idea of the naturals, that some people are just naturals at different things. Um, she's a natural musician. He's a natural artist. He's She's a natural um, academic or her intelligence is very high. So in the fixed mindset, things are very set in stone. You are what you are, and there's not much you can do about it. And in the growth mindset, this has the belief that your basic qualities are things that you can cultivate and develop through effort and hard work. So, of course, you acknowledge that people have different aptitudes. So there is some differences that we have, but bigger than that is the idea that everyone can change and improve 
through practice and experience and getting better by trying to get better at a different type of activity, skill, whatever it might be. So yes, you might have a certain artistic talent that you are born with, but what's more important is actually what you do with it, how hard you work to develop that. And the research shows overwhelmingly that what's the healthier mindset for us to have, as you might imagine just hearing the two descriptions, is the growth mindset. And really, if we look at human beings, it's not just about let's fool ourselves and have the mindset that we think is better, but really the growth mindset is more based in reality. Most things that we do in life, we can improve. Can you change your height? No. But almost everything else, most things in our reality, you can change. And even bigger than that is that anything that you want to be good at or anyone you see who is good at something has worked hard to get there. It takes hard work to get there. So the growth mindset is very much more connected to reality of what it's like that yes we have different aptitudes but what's more important is what we do to work on what we're given and also that most things can be changed even your academic ability unfortunately even sometimes teachers have this mindset that you either have it or you don't and they'll judge students thinking well this kid is not a math person this one is let's focus our attention there and of course, what happens is that student that you focus that more attention to will will then start doing better. And you see, see, this one had what it takes. The other one did not. So having this mindset, the growth mindset, is a good way to allow yourself to actually focus on who you are and what you are, not as a fixed thing, but as something that can be developed. Now, it might not sound like such a big deal. Okay, well, it's just this a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. But as, as Carol Dweck shows in a lot of the research she's done and other researchers have done, it can have really big impacts on how we live our life. Because if you have a fixed mindset that you're either smart or you're not, or you're either um, likable and lovable or you're not, then you're going to be afraid to put yourself in situations where you can show who you are or that your faults can be seen. And people with the fixed mindset are very afraid of making mistakes because to them, mistakes are proof that you're not good because you either have it and you, or you don't. And if you make a mistake, well, then you can't be that good. And because of that, we can see how the fixed mindset and perfectionism go hand in hand. Um, if you believe that you have to show yourself all the time being great and strong and doing the right things, well, then you're going to be afraid to, to make a mistake. So it's maybe better not to try anything. And that's something that we see. And related to trying, what's interesting is that the research shows that people who have a fixed mindset are almost afraid of trying because in the fixed mindset, the notion is that you're a natural. So you shouldn't have to try. Just the fact that you have to put in effort and work at something implies that you're actually not that great. You're not this genius, this virtuoso. You're not so uh, amazing just by the nature of who you are. So the fixed mindset actually decreases the likelihood that someone will work hard. And challenges and obstacles are seen as signs that I'm actually not that great. They define you. I made a mistake. I'm dumb. I didn't get chosen on the team. I'm a bad athlete and I should never try. Whereas the growth mindset actually 
looks for the challenges and the obstacles. And what was really interesting, they did um, a study where they gave four-year-olds a choice and they first determined if they had a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. So they could either redo an easy jigsaw puzzle or they could try a harder, more difficult and challenging one. And they found that even at this very young age, the children with the fixed mindset, so these are the ones that believe that their traits were fixed, either they were smart or they were dumb, they stuck with the safe puzzle. They wanted to do the easy one again because they're afraid to make a mistake. However, the kids in the growth mindset, they wanted to do the more difficult one. They wanted the challenge. To them, it was exciting to learn something new. Challenge was seen as something exciting to them. Whereas for the kids with the fixed mindset, it's something scary. It's something that might expose you as not so great. So how can we look at the applications of this for our lives? Of course, there are many areas of our life which this has an impact. But let's just look at what we were, since we were talking about kids, how we deal with our children. Now, most people would think if you have a child, you keep telling them how smart they are. You know, they get an A, you say, you're so smart. You're a genius. You're the smartest kid in your class. And we think, look, I'm boosting my child's self-esteem. I'm boosting their ego and making them feel good about themselves. But actually, this is not what your child needs to hear or what's going to help them the most. Because if you tell them they got an A because they're so smart, that although feels good in the moment, it's like a high, which very quickly comes with this anxiety of, well, that means the next test I have to do really well again or else I'm stupid or I'm no good or I'm not going to be loved by my mom or my dad because they, they only love me for being smart. Although it might seem like a subtle difference and also maybe even something people might not be used to, you'll be better off telling your child, oh, you got an A? That means you must have studied so hard for this test. You put so much effort into it. I remember you studying last night. You worked so hard. So what they say is rather than praising the trait, you're smart, you praise the process, the effort, and the work that they put into it. And this gives them so much more because, first of all, it shows them that it's not just about getting everything right. It's about working hard. But also, hard work is in our control. How hard you work is in your control. But your trait, if you're born smart or born dumb, that's out of your control. And when you have that feeling, it brings with it a lot of anxiety, but also gives you this feeling of powerlessness. If I got a bad grade, I'm stupid and I should quit. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, you said, I got a bad grade. Oh, okay. But that must mean I didn't study hard enough or study the right way. Let me find a new way to study or make sure I study harder so I can get a better grade next time. Now, the book doesn't get too much into the connections or uh, a depth of what's going on here, because to me, you very loudly can hear this idea of self-esteem and self-worth in a lot of these. She brings up the issue, but not in great depth, that someone who has a self-esteem that I'm just valuable as I am doesn't feel they need to perform or give you something and give you an A to be lovable. However, someone whose self-worth or self-esteem is just in being something special, of creating something or of, of getting a high score or their performance, well, then they're going to feel that if they don't do well, they are unlovable. So, of course, we can look at these in deeper ways or different ways, but focusing just on the mindset itself can be very important.
So when you're talking to your kids, pay attention to this. And most parents automatically tend to give fixed mindset type of compliments. You're so smart. You're so gifted. You're so special. You're so this, you're so that. But what you want to do is focus more on the process. You worked so hard. Gosh, I saw you try something different this time and it looks like it worked. And even if they fail or if they get a bad grade, rather than saying, obviously you would hope you wouldn't say you're stupid, you're dumb. That's why you got that grade or you're not going to be a good student. You say, okay, well, that probably tells us you didn't study hard enough or study the right way. What can we learn from this? And people in the growth mindset recognize mistakes and failures as opportunities to learn. If something didn't go well, then that means there's something for me to learn in this about how to do it differently, how not to do it different, how not to do it next time or do it in a different way. So you can pass on this growth mindset to your children. So in parenting, this is something very, very important to do. But of course, first, we want to start with ourselves because if we want to be good parents who pass along something, we know that you can't just say, practice what I preach, not what I actually do myself. You have to do it yourself. So with ourselves, we have to recognize that if we have mistakes, we make mistakes or failures. We recognize that this doesn't define us, that we have to just work harder or smarter or do something differently, that it doesn't make us bad and mistakes don't make us bad. Failures don't make us uh, a failure just because you failed at something. It means you just made a mistake or you are hitting an obstacle. But we have to recognize that the hard work is what's necessary. And speaking of hard work, I like that in the book, she describes many different artists um, and athletes who many people might think were just naturals, but she talks about how hard they worked. And one, for example, is Michael Jordan, who's probably considered the best basketball player of all time. And so if you hear that, you might just think, oh, he must have just been a natural. And it came so easy for him, and he was just so special that he was destined to be the greatest player ever. But that's not the case. First of all, he was cut from a high school basketball team. And second of all, it wasn't just his natural talent that got him there. He worked incredibly hard and maybe is the hardest working basketball player ever, which is a big reason why he was the best ever. It wasn't just by accident or by his gifted, you know, his giftedness or some kind of ability he was born with. He worked so hard to make sure that he was the best. And whatever it is you do in, in various areas of your life, we want to bring that same attitude that one, my hard work will pay off because I believe in growth, which is really what we see human beings uh, being, that they can grow in almost every area and talent, ability, whatever it might be in our lives, but also that I don't want to live my life not working the hardest that I could have, not bringing out my highest potential. And the only way I can do that is by working hard. But if we have a fear that I have to just be naturally great and by working hard, um, that shows I'm not that great. And also, what if I work hard and I don't make it, which is very scary, and she talks about that in this book, well, then you're less likely to try your best. So by just having the right mindset, it can really affect the way we feel about ourselves and the way we approach our lives and judge ourselves and also the type of parents or teachers or coaches um, that we are by just recognizing that. So, you know, I'd really recommend the book for that reason because by reading it, you see how much of an effect it can have on your life and the life of people around you. And it's something that most of us don't even recognize we have. It's one of those automatic beliefs that we don't think about, but we learn throughout our lives and experiences and 
what we see in our families, schools, etc., and we just automatically apply it to our lives. But we can see how having a fixed mindset could be very harmful to ourselves, and having a growth mindset can make us much better people, parents, um, and in all the other roles of our life. So I hope you will read it if you haven't already. And again, the book for next week is Daniel Goleman's book, Emotional Intelligence. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, hi. You're on the air. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to discuss my um, relationship uh, with you and uh, see um, if you have any thoughts and suggestions okay. and anything. Um, so I'm 27 years old uh, and I've been dating this guy for about, for about nine months now. Uh, we've been we've been together uh, been known each other for almost nine nine years, but um, we've been always friends. And um, he he always liked me, and he always suggested that we should be in a relationship. But I always uh, I was the one that was like, no, we shouldn't. And I had my doubts and my reasons for not wanting to be in a mm-hmm. relationship. Now, can I just ask you to speak a little bit louder? The sound's not coming through too clear. Oh, okay. Is this better? No. That is better, yes. And then how okay. old is he? He's also 27. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so, um, so, so now, like, um, a year ago when uh, he asked me out, and I decided to, like, give it a shot. And uh, so uh, we've been dating since. And now all of those things that I um, had doubts about, <laughs> I didn't like about him, are bugging me again um now he's he's a really awesome guy he's really nice i'm, I'm sure he is but let's hear let's hear some of those things that you're were your concerns like. yeah and then yeah. oh okay so um so my biggest concern is that uh he's uh, he's very socially awkward okay. uh like he can't carry a conversation um comfortably with anyone um he has few friends. Like he has, good. Like he has a few friends, but like even with my friends, he's um, he has uh, difficulty like communicating. Like uh, whenever like we're like with friends or anything, he would always be like talking only to me. And if somebody tries to like start up a conversation with him, he was just like giving one word of answers and like not wanting to like uh, talk to them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, now is so, he is now when you say socially awkward. Is it that he doesn't communicate well even with you, or do we think it's more like a social anxiety with new people or in groups? So that's the thing. I even with me, it like it takes him a long time to communicate something. Like if something bugs him, he doesn't tell me. He like analyzes it like so much. He um, if he wants to tell me something, he analyzes it in his head that so you can actually tell like he's thinking about mm-hmm. something. Anything that he wants to tell you, like he he like thinks about it for like a couple of seconds or like a couple of minutes and you're like 
just tell me it's not a big deal you know mm-hmm. even things that are like not a big deal like oh where do you want to eat or where do you want to go you know like yeah well it seems um, like and the reason why i asked that is because um if it's just you know let's say when you're in groups he's not very good at navigating the groups and making friends with your friends and all that that can be less of a concern to me than if when you communicate with him you feel like something is missing because that's more significant in your relationship because you can have a you know girlfriend boyfriend husband or wife who when you go to parties they're not very good at parties or that you know they don't really like them but when you're together you still feel an emotional depth and connection is there and that maybe you don't care so much about what's happening at the parties but if you're saying even when you're communicating with him something seems to be missing that's more of a concern and the way you're describing it although you're saying it's things that don't matter um, maybe to him it does matter a lot and it almost seems like you feel like he's calculating what to resp- how to respond or what to say maybe to not upset you or bother you or to say the right thing but it seems like it's almost getting annoying to you that's exactly right yeah okay okay so that's one thing and you know you, you describe it as socially awkward um but it just seems like in communication it seems like something is missing and maybe the way you described it he's analyzing but maybe he intellectualizes he tries to uh, think about things in an intellectual way rather than just saying how he feels or sharing it and so i'm assuming you likely don't feel like you really get to know him or get too close to him um I think so. I think he is uh, he is trying to be very calculated and very like um, uh, be very politically correct or like mm-hmm. you know socially correct. Um, and that's that's the thing that I think he's very cautious about and like careful about. Uh, and I. That's that's just I I feel like in a relationship you just have to be upfront with the person. Personally, is what I think. And um, well, I would agree with you in that, but I also don't want you to get away from um, in you know in relationships what you think is right. But I want to know how you're feeling in it. How, how do you feel with him? I constantly think that he's trying to make me happy, whereas like. I don't know how he feels, so like I'm always like in a position that I'm not sure if he's mm-hmm. if he's happy or if, if what he is thinking. Yep. And whenever I ask him, and he's like, "Oh no, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine." He's always like, "Fine," you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it seems okay. So you might be on to something there that he's trying to. You feel like he's trying to make you happy. He doesn't want to say the wrong things and. The anxiety he has in social situations in general could be coming from a lower sense of self-esteem or that something is not okay with him or he's not enough. So he has to be something in order to make other people like him or to be lovable and likable. And for you, and this is something I think is always interesting, people think, well, let me do what other people want because that'll make them happy. And in short term, this can work. But what ends up happening is then because other people see you doing that, they don't feel so good because they don't know if you're happy with what's going on or what's happening and it doesn't feel very good. So if someone keeps doing what you want, but you're not sure if they're happy, it doesn't feel good. You'd rather hear, hey, I don't like this or let's not do that. And at least you know where they are at. But it seems like with him, you never really know um, 
where he is at. Now, I do want to, you know, you mentioned there's things that you were not so happy about. So what else is it that are your concerns about the relationship? Um, so it's, it's like mostly like, um, it was, that was the biggest deal. And I feel like maybe like the other things are just like uh, driven from that. Uh, so whenever like I hang out with him, like even like a simple conversation that we have, it's not like, um, it's not riveting. It's not, um, it's not fun, you know, uh, it's always like, um, it's very dry. Like our conversations are always very dry and, um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't feel that sense of like, um, uh, fun and uh, you know this is like a, a fun relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that. Now let me maybe look at it from a different way because I'm I'm getting an interesting sense here because as much as we're talking about he um, kind of does whatever he thinks will make you happy or says what he thinks will make you happy, it almost seems like you're in this relationship or you feel stuck in it, like almost to make him happy. And I get this sense you're almost asking me or in this phone call trying to get the permission to end things. Like, see, things aren't, aren't right, so you're giving me the verdict that breakup is the right thing to do. Does that seem at all like what might be going on? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. See, that's the thing. I am not sure if breakup is the right thing to do. Uh, because, on the other hand, like there are a lot of positive things about him that I think um, maybe I'm just like, exaggerating like i shouldn't just be i should just be focusing on the good things and like think not think about uh his negative points well we can't really not think of but but let's look at that what are some of the good things what attracted you to him or i know he liked you for a while and it seems like to some extent you gave in or said let me give it a shot um but what what about him do you like what attracts you to him um so he's he's very driven and hardworking. And that is really, like, it's a really positive thing that I'm, like, really looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, oh, obviously, he's smart, and he knows what he's, he wants to do in his life. He has goals in his life, and uh, that's also very important to me. Um, and just the fact that he's, um, he, he's caring. So even though, like, I know, like, he's, he's trying to make me happy, like I know that he cares about me, and, and just those. I feel like, and he always tries to keep a positive attitude. Um, now I don't know if that's necessarily always a good thing, but uh, but in a lot of situations, it helps. You know, because mm-hmm. there's he's generally like a really nice guy. Like if you if you meet him like for the first time, you'd be like, oh, he's really like he's a really smart, nice like he's well put together you know yeah but again even in what you said at the end like if almost like if i were to meet him i would like him um again it sounds mm-hmm. to me like but you're not happy where you're at you're saying well, you, well, when you meet him he's nice but to be in a relationship with him isn't so nice and i don't want to tell you that's how you feel i'm just telling you how i hear what you're you're saying um because as much as you're saying and you know there even there could be social anxiety but even some of what you're describing sounds a little bit like Asperger's type of uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that could be something he's dealing with? That he might have Asperger's and even a mild degree of what that. Is that? Well, what, I mean, the socially that? awkward people with 
Asperger's can be, it's on the autism spectrum and even in the new DSM-5, it's part of just autism. It's not its own diagnosis, but basically it's people who have similarities in autism that they're not very good with social, picking up on social cues and in social interaction, but they don't have the same, any issues with communication. So they can speak well, language is fine, uh, and they can actually be quite intelligent, but socially they're just not as able to pick up on social cues and things of that nature and aren't as good in social interaction. So it's something he could have. Is that some, is what I'm describing seems similar to what he, he's like? Probably. Okay. It's possible. I mean, I don't want to jump to that conclusion yeah. because it could be, like I said, a social anxiety and just, you know, he, he doesn't like groups, but the way you're saying communicating with him is, is a problem. That is a big deal. And so uh, it's good to look at what you like about him too. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm glad mm -hmm. you shared that. But you have to, at the end of the day, you have to look at how you feel. And in a few ways, I felt in our conversation, you were almost looking for a way out or some kind of like, because theory says this is not good for a relationship, that means our relationship is not good, right? Rather than really paying attention to how you feel in the relationship, which is going to be most important. If you're unhappy with the relationship, well, then that's telling us what we need to know. If you're happy in the relationship, but there's some issues then that's saying, okay, let's work on things. So it's good to look at these various topics and see how important they are, but how you feel with him it is a big part. And actually, um, Emotional Intelligence, the book for next week, and just our emotions in general, we tend to think that we only get information from our rational mind, but our emotions tell us a lot. And especially when it comes to our relationships, we do have to pay attention to how we feel. We don't want to only be emotional but we don't want to ignore that either so when you're telling me isn't it important for our communication to be this way based on scholarly research on relationships I, uh, yes but also what's important to me is how you feel with him and how you feel in this and you're describing not being excited about the relationship or interested in the relationship and having these concerns and and i wouldn't want you to ignore that um yeah, I agree. I, um, I, at this moment, like, I feel like I'm, I am not happy, and um, it's hard for me to say that. But um, mm. at the because at the same time, like, I feel like I might. I'm just like um, making a big deal out of like little things, and um, because of that, I'm not happy, and like, I'm I'm gonna. Uh, lose on this uh, like opportunity of being like uh, maybe like in the future like uh, being happy with this guy and just let that go. You well, know? it's it's possible. I can't tell you what would happen. What I would say is, well, let me ask you this: Have you brought up the issues that you have in the relationship with him? I have actually. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm the type of person that just uh, like I I don't keep things to me. Like well, good. I I share it with him. Um, but uh, he's just, he's just like, um, this is the way that I am. And uh, he's actually trying to be, um, he's trying to be more social, but like that just backfires and it's just not very well. well. Like I said before, to me, you know, it's good that he's trying because I mean, him saying this is just how I am. Of course, that's true. 
Um, but just like I was talking about with the growth mindset, we want to recognize that we have the ability to make some changes. We want to try. So I hope you guys give it a try to make things better. Um, but the focus, again, on him being social, it, it, it again, depends on our definition. But how he is at parties or with your group of friends, I can understand you don't like it or maybe it embarrasses you in the moment. Um, but to me, that's less significant than how he is with you if you really feel like there's a depth of emotional connection and communication and you're really getting to know him that to me is much more important than okay when we're with my friends make sure you ask four questions not just two questions or make sure you show an interest in my friends that that's important to a degree but much less significant than how you feel with him um but again i think it's interesting that i feel you keep deflecting the importance of how you feel and there could be something there even some level of codependency you might have that you you put your own feelings away and you pay attention to others and that's why i got that sense a few times it was almost like wanting permission to be unhappy or wanting permission that the relationship isn't good and you wanted me to tell you that yes from what you're telling me it's bad so you have the right to go and that you don't need to feel guilty if you end it i'm not suggesting you need to end it but i want you to really pay attention to how you actually feel with him um, and yes, I mean, is there going to be a guarantee that it's the right choice? Either way, there won't be. So you, you might lose out on something that is actually good. But we can't ignore how we feel in the relationship. And, and at the end, we have to come to some conclusion that, you know what, he's a good guy and this, and I want to give it a try and let's work on it. Or, you know, he's a good guy, but these things are important enough for me to not stay in this relationship. And like I said, I would say first, at least work on it. Try to make things better within you and him, not as much about him and your friends and social situations at least give it a shot and if he's maybe he's not the partner you're looking for as far as what you want emotionally then i would definitely listen to that okay okay yeah that makes sense yeah but good luck and like i said pay attention to your own feelings and what you want that's that's what's most important when it comes to the relationship and good luck all right all right thank you so much you're welcome have a good night have a good night thank you bye-bye all right, we've reached our next commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to another caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello, doctor. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Sure, thanks for calling. Yes, actually, I'm... Uh, I'm 36 years old and uh, a PhD in engineering and um, my problem is uh, you know decision making you know mm-hmm. I'm not happy about like most of like major decisions that I've made like uh, during past like seven eight years that I've actually been living abroad um, I can actually give you some examples sure uh, yeah, but take, um, for example, the decision that I made for my like, PhD project, I knew that it's probably not going to go anywhere, and it's uh, really hard, but, you know, I just decided to go ahead with it, and, uh, you know, and, and the result wasn't that good, you know, partly because I wasn't, like, very positive about it from the beginning, but... Uh, yeah, you know, and it ended up with a, you know, 
Okay. I'm already. I already feel definitely a sense of perfectionism in you, that um, goes hand in hand with decision making. Okay. I mean, but that's just the way. Even you're you're getting that out has that sense. But go ahead. And I mean, being an engineer, you're used to things being the decisions you make within engineering are very black and white for the most part. I know it's not just black and white, whereas most decisions in life don't have that clear cutness to them. They're not as black and white. And I can imagine for you when they aren't clear cut like that, it becomes, well, how do I pick amongst these options? None of them can clearly be the right one. How do I make a choice? Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't. I'm not sure why, but I don't research enough, like before actually making this, deci- this decision. Okay. Yeah, you're talking about like uh, choosing between, you know, kind of at least two, three options. But I don't go for those options. You know, just pick something, and I think that you know that's that's the right one, or nothing would go wrong, or something like that. But then, you know, after I find this, um, that, after I find out that. Yeah, this, that decision actually uh, put me into a lot of trouble. But it's like, you know, I just wake up after I make the decision. Hmm. Um, okay. Like, 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 uh, you know, like, like the, this, uh, or the other decision was, you know, uh, like choosing my wife and, uh, uh, you know, the, I, I actually got married in, in the middle of like, uh, my education and that. That was. I knew that it's gonna make like life like a lot harder, and uh, I just picked the first choice, and um, the one was the very last like choice that I made that actually made me uh, have been pretty stressed out after that. Like uh, I wanted to um, kind of buy a place, buy a brand, uh, house or something, and then. You know, I didn't search that much. Like when I want to search it, I know that I, okay, I have to think about it. I have to go and research. You know, you, you need more information. But something inside says, "Yeah, don't worry about it." And uh, I just go ahead. And after uh, everything is done, I then start to think, and all these like analysis comes down. What? Look what you did, and you know. And sometimes, like I wish I had a like time machine. And this is real. Like sometimes I really think about it. That uh, if if I if I was in that situation once again, I would do this and I would do that. You know, like, like it, it has affected my uh, sleeping, like kind of uh, quality, uh, like mm-hmm. even like. Food. Yeah. So I in hindsight, down. so you're saying when it comes to making a decision, you feel like you don't put enough thought and effort <laughs> into it, and then you make the decision and you regret it afterwards? Yes, some, something like that. And, you know, it's like I, I want to put myself into a like, hard situation like, every time. And it happens, like, every time, like, after, after all of these. I'll, although I know um, that something wrong like, before making but you just go ahead. Hmm. I don't know. It's like uh, risking. So uh, I want to risk. Well, yeah, there's so an impulsivity to it. But I'm wondering if also 
like when you have to make a decision it makes you anxious of like what to do and you just want to get it over with like let me just yeah that 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 that, that, that can be true actually. yeah so maybe there's something of the pressure of making the decision although for some people the pressure makes it so they don't make the decision they just try to think about all the options over and over and over and over again you almost do the opposite you don't want to think about it too much and just have the decision be over with and then you start to regret well why did i do this and look looking back with hindsight which we know is 2020 and saying i should have done this or done that now you know with some decisions we can go back and change them or make a different choice in the future but some choices like who you marry not that you can't change it but if we just sit there and look at it with regret i'm not sure if that's what you do we're not going to actually look at what we have and what we can make with what we have so let's just look at that one who you you know getting married was it the timing or who you chose to marry that you were upset about or felt was not the right decision kind of both okay um yeah kind of both uh, so uh when, when we talk about like my wife and i talk about like those times and sometimes you know we both say we could actually postpone it for sometimes later and it would, it would have been a better like we, we, we might, you know, we might have actually made a better choice. Like or, you both would have picked someone else, or you waited late. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Someone doesn't else. sound like the best. Doesn't sound like the best Valentine's Day cards. I hope you guys aren't writing that <laughs> to each other. But you know, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that in some ways, what you're saying, like even when you bring up a time machine, or you are just focusing on what if, what if, what if, in some ways, you're living in a world outside of reality you know yes if you went back maybe you would have chosen someone different but since you didn't either you can work on your marriage with your wife and see what you guys can make together and even and with that even decide that okay if we may work on it and only can get to you know so, some place where we're still very unhappy then we can get divorced and and move on but just living in this what if, oh, what if I had and who would I have been with and what would have been like with her? Wow, maybe I would have not had that issue I have with my wife. It almost to me sounds like living in a daydream rather than facing the reality of what you have, which is, okay, this is my wife. Maybe if I went back in time, would I have made a different choice? It's possible. But of course, we can't do that. So now at this day with her, what can I do to work on this marriage to see what we have? If it's good, then, you know, we can make it even better, great. If not, we can decide to cut ties and move on. Yes. Um, actually, we, we, we've been working on... Good. Uh, we've been working on our relationship. We, we've been listening to your, your dad and your program for a long time. and um, But, um, you know, that, that, that was an example. Like, sure. uh, this kind of pattern pattern actually is uh, repeating like every time that I want to actually make a decision. Yeah. I you're right, and, you know, I get like anxious and I just want to make a decision. Mm -hmm. I said like, this is okay, just get out of this situation or something like that. But, yeah, I've seen um, this in a lot of cases where people, it depends. Like I said, sometimes with the perfectionism, people overthink it. Sometimes the decision making, even if you've watched people play poker, for example, they, they don't know what to do and they just make a choice and they go all in or they do some kind of extreme decision just to take away the possibility that they have to think anymore 
or the possibility that they have to figure out what's next. So that could be what you're you're doing. But I still think when it comes to, for example, the marriage, the approach of just looking at it, oh, I made the wrong choice, it is really going to hinder the possibility or at least the limit of how much you can work on what you have. So yes, going forward, you can remember, okay, when a decision comes, I might feel this impulsivity, just make a choice without thinking about it, but I might regret that. And so you can try to carry that with you in any significant decision, because I'm sure if you think about it, it's more on significant decisions than less significant. But especially with your wife, like I said, to me, that's a big one, because even a property you can do something about more easily, although there's a lot of paperwork, than with you know your marriage. That you really focus, okay, I've, this is my wife today. Maybe I could have waited longer. Maybe I could have done other things. But this, she is my wife and no one else. Because the way you even describe it is kind of like, I could have had someone else. I should have had someone else. And there isn't this full commitment to her in this moment and to this marriage. And that's why I would want you to, to, to change that paradigm a little bit, not to, oh, this is me who makes the bad decisions, and look, here's another one of my bad decisions. Good morning, honey, how are you doing today? But rather looking at it as, okay, this is my wife, this is who I can spend the rest of my life with, you have a choice, and let's make this the best that we can, or determine if we're not going to make it work, and or it doesn't work, and then we can, we can move on. So I, I would really, yes, go ahead. We have just about a minute left, but I do yeah. want to give you a chance to, to go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, but uh, you know, I try. I try to make everything like right after. After I find out that you know, uh, I, I wish I had like put like more time on uh, making decisions before. But you know, I, I'm getting tired of the uh, pattern, like doing something, sure. making a decision. Which is not, which is not okay. Which is not good choice. Not the best one. And then you know, taking responsibility for all the consequences after, like mm-hmm. something. But I, I, I don't want to repeat it like later on for other things. It's really getting frustrating. Sure, and I can understand. That I don't want to undermine that part, that the frustration. Um, but you know, there also does seem the part with the perfectionism. Although you might do things a little bit differently than the standard way, where you're very judgmental of yourself. Maybe these decisions were very bad, the way you're describing that, but maybe they weren't so bad. And yes, in hindsight, you could have done something differently. But like I said, I would go forward with this mindset of, okay, I tend to approach big decisions this way. I, if I have a big decision coming up, I want to approach it differently. But then also with this idea that what the decisions I have made, if I can't change them, I want to own them and not distance myself that, oh, I would have done something different. I want to do something different. But own what you have and then work with what you got 100% and own that decision. I chose to marry my wife. This is my wife. Let's make the best life we can make or whatever else the decision was and, and then go forward go forward with that. I do have to wrap up the show, but I appreciate you calling in. Yep. Thanks so much, Dr. Sure. Have a great night. All right. We've reached the end of the show. Thank you to Amir, all the callers and listeners out there. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. Have a wonderful night.